0: wake your ass up
1: and we're the three best friends that anybody could have
0: it's time
2: you were oh, really? t- i mean sean you were twerking that's gonna
1: happen <laughs> <laughs> murph don't be a dick all your life is uh one of the, one of the more fun podcasts i've ever done hey i tell you what if you're not talking about sports in the man cave you no i bet i said you're out of bed
0: that's <laughs> it <laughs> Well, we made it past Thanksgiving, episode 45, and we definitely have a full house. Coach Mo, uh, Mike Hardball-Hards, a a permanent guest host, if you will. You'll see him here from time to time. And uh, Big Mike, uh, he's working on his 12 days of Christmas sales at uh, Last Stand Hats, so he'll join us here shortly. But our special guest, the former college football coach, the Jackie Sherrill, uh, storied career he was blown. He's an Okie, if you were not aware, and you know played for the Bear Bryant. Of course, we all know him for his time at College Station. Coach Cheryl, welcome to Stories Inside the Man Cave.
3: Well, thank you. I, I'm impressed with the the other two guys. Of course, they're a lot younger than we are. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like that story when you see a young quarterback, freshman quarterback, play and he plays well. Uh, I've always had a comment, he did not know any better. <laughs> Plays after he knows better. After he yeah, throws it, a couple yeah. of interceptions and, and, and fumbles a couple of times, we'll know what kind of player he is. Absolutely. You know, first <laughs> off,
0: and then I'll start it, and then you respond and the guys will join in. I mean, you, you had a great opportunity, good run as a head football coach at the Major D1 level. I mean, you you're obviously Washington State. You succeeded Johnny Majors at Pitt, and fabulous seasons, and literally turned around the Texas A&M program. And that's where even Longhorn fans—they, some of them won't admit it—but they respect you and love following your story. Being a player for Bear Bryant at Alabama was did a lot of what you learned from him. Did you utilize a lot of that in your
3: coaching career? I think we're all uh, very much. You know, influenced by the uh, by the coach that we played for you can go all the way back to Wee, junior high high school and you know a football coach really m- molds a lot of people but coach and he was coach bryant uh he was a man's man anything he wanted uh, to be as a man he was statue wise he was he was big he was six four probably 275 pounds uh he didn't look like it because of his frame, um, but he used to get down in the stance and uh, demonstrate and, and you didn't want to be on the other side when he got in a stance <laughs> at all. So, But, you know, you playing for coach, you did certain things and those are in green. These two guys can tell you. But And then having an opportunity to work for Coach Brawls at Arkansas. Coach Baroles is probably the best business guy in the business, meaning he was able to go out and get alumni to build facilities in Arkansas before other teams around the the country really had the same facilities, but he he had the advantage. You know, he had Walmart. He also had, uh, you know, some other guys that had a lot of bike and money to donate and then working for Coach Majors. Coach Majors was probably the best PR guy. You know, he could meet somebody 15 years later. He could, t- he would tell you where he, he, they met, what they talked about, what they did. And, you know, coach was really amazing, never forgot anybody's name. So having an opportunity to work for all three of them, it kind of molded a little. But coach, uh, you know, coach majors gave me the opportunity to be a head coach. You know, when I was a young coach, uh, I was at Arkansas finishing my master's. I I wasn't going into coaching. I was going into the business world. And Coach Majors got the job at Iowa State. I walk in his office and I ask him to hire me. He said, what can you coach? I said, Coach, if you're a coach, you can coach any position. You know, and he kind of looked at me like, meh. Ah. But he, he goes to uh, Coach Brolls, and Coach Brolls, told him to hire me Uh, so that's the reason that coach majors but he gave me an opportunity you know the first year I was the B team coach and started coaching linebackers and then the second year was linebacker third year was defensive coordinator and the fourth year I was assistant head coach so I was assistant head coach defensive coordinator at a very very young age and then we went to Pittsburgh and I always wanted to you know, at that time to be a head coach I and got the opportunity to go to Washington state, uh, to be the head coach. And during the interview, they really were asking how long I would stay. And I said, I would only leave for two jobs. And that was for Alabama in Pittsburgh. Well, they, they didn't think coach Bryant was going anywhere and they, didn't thank Coach Majors, but sure enough, Coach Majors went back to Tennessee, and they brought me back to Pittsburgh.
1: That's awesome, Coach. Uh, Coach, so you've been around a lot of talented players in your in your years of coaching football, a lot of talented teams. Which team stood out to you the most that you was around, not just from an athletic standpoint, but guys that, you know, that became leaders and, and learned – underneath your leadership and became great, successful young men.
3: Uh, What team stood out to you the most? Well, unfortunately, I mean, uh, mean, or fortunately, uh, I only had two players in my whole career that ran off the road. And by that, I mean, you know, they didn't go off and become very productive. But at Pittsburgh, uh, you know, we probably had the most uh, players, meaning – pro players at one time, uh, the 1980 team, which was recruited in 1977. And I didn't have any recruiting files. They took all the recruiting files and I'd call a player a recruit and ask him who was recruiting him. And if he wasn't being recruited by Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state, I didn't go after it. And, but that class ended up uh, having three first rounders. They had 11 in the first seven rounds, and 18 guys went to pro camp. Okay? And out of that class, uh, there's, you know, Jim, <coughs> uh, Russ Grimm's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Ricky Jackson's in the Hall of Fame, Hugh Green would have been. if He hadn't gotten hurt would be in the Hall of Fame. And you're going to have, you know, two or three others. You know, uh, you'll probably end up down the road have um, uh, Mark may be in it years later. So, I've had the opportunity to coach a lot of players. Danny Marino, Hugh, you know, Hugh Green, Ricky Jackson, Tony Dorsett, uh, Ray Childers. I mean, there were, and even when I went to A&M, and m had players. Uh, but they mentally, they just were not ready to win. Uh, and there's two facets to winning, you know, before you can win, you have to learn how to win. Right. And learning how to win is 24 seven. It's not, you know, this day and then three days later uh, it's a 24 seven, meaning that you, know, you have to focus and understand what it takes and, and be willing to sacrifice and do those things. Yeah. To answer your question, I may have been all over the ballpark. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, nah, that's perfect, Coach. That's
3: exactly yeah. what. That's exactly nah, right. what you're it right. is. Yeah, yeah you're but right the, on the top. Big, yeah, the big guys are in the Northeast, as we all know. You know, big mm-hmm. big guys, um, statue wise, but also because of the cold. Now, the fast guys are from the South. I had a track when I was at Washington State. They had a great track uh coach that you know won a ton of uh ncaa meets and national meets and he said for every thousand miles you go south you got the kid that ran the four six up here was as fast as the kid that ran the four five a thousand mile below and which is true you know tony dorsett Good example, uh, he was a true uh, 4'2 plus guy back then. It was all the way back in 1973. But That's there were many that could run that fast up north. Uh, we're talking
4: to Jackie Sherrill,
3: former uh, head coach
4: of Texas A&M Aggies, and you brought up the Aggies just a little while ago, Coach, and the resurgence with Jimbo and how the Aggies are playing right now. I mean, they're starting to get conversation in the national level. Uh, as you look at football today, and you're looking at all the talent that is out there, what, what, are you, what has been the biggest impression for you with Jimbo Fisher and what they're doing at Texas
3: A&M? Well, there's two things, as, and you all understand, there's two things for players. One, you have to be mentally tough, and you have to be physically tough. And Jimbo's biggest problem or biggest issue coming into AM, he had to change the culture. He had to mm-hmm. change the culture to, to end up having a physical and mentally tough, but the games won up. games. Won. It's not one in behind it. The, even though you have great quarterbacks, great receivers, all these things, running backs. If you don't have the defense and offensive linemen, you're not going to win the national championship. So it took it's taken him some time to develop and get the offensive, which they have today. They have a very solid offensive line, but defensively up front, uh, they're good. And they also have that one – got to have that one linebacker. Coach Bryant said years ago, you talk. You give me the two tackles, but give me the two defensive ends, the middle linebacker, and the free safety, and you can line up any all the other players wherever you want to. And which makes sense. You got to contain them. You got to keep the inside built up, but you got to have that free safety not to let anybody get behind you. So, you know, it's it's very simple, but to answer your question, Jimbo has changed the culture, making the players not making. He's getting players that are more mentally and physically tough, and you see that with the offensive line because they nicknamed themselves the Goons, the Maroon Goons, which <laughs> if you all remember the the Washington Hawks uh, that for the Washington. Uh, In the pro team that was a great offensive line, they called themselves the Hawks. Coach, when you were at Texas A&M
0: from 82 to 88, you only lost to Texas in 82 and 83, and then you flipped that switch that last part of the season in 84. You you know the culture at Texas. You know the expectations. You know the dynamics.
3: Texas should never lose a game in any sport. Yeah. there it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. They have all the money. They have all the recruits. They have exactly. all facilities. The they should never lose a game in any sport. Well, no. having said that,
0: from '01 to '09, Mac Brown had it locked down. Had it had the uh, had the program rolling, and then his. To me, it's systemic. You being dialed in, connected, and having all this experience and in the coaching fraternity, you saw the downward <clears throat> trend from 2010 to Max last year in 13. then Charlie Strong. Now we're about to finish the fourth year with Tom Herman. And now we're talking about another coaching change, possibly, with Urban Meyer. What, what has not been right with this program systemically, in your opinion? why there hasn't been success with both Charlie and now Tom Herman?
3: Well, first of all, let me really uh, say this. Texas is a great university. Mm-hmm. Texas, you know, deserves the status, and they've earned it. You go all the way back to Coach role. I mean, in any sport, you go to the baseball. They earned that right. Now, one thing, there's seven things it takes to win a championship. One is the administration, and that's the most important. They either give you a chance or they don't. And there's a lot of politics. I told Mac one time, I said, Mac, I couldn't coach at Texas. (laughs) Sure you could have. I said, no, I ain't wearing that tie where you have to flip it every five seconds. (laughs) Politically being, and he said, well, maybe you're right. But the issue that you have is the the administration gives you a chance or not. A, a good example, and and we're all old enough. Years ago, when Oklahoma got in trouble with their quarterback, no one said a word, but the AD. And you know, everywhere else. The AD at other places, they're going to run for the hills the first time there's t- any type of conf- you know controversy or whatever. So the administration, and you have to have the faculty because if the faculty feels that you're not or you're abusing the players academically, they're going to not help you. Then you have to have the students, the alumni or former students at A&M And then the players, the coaches, in the media. Mac Brown was a great, and he still is, a great PR. Coach Roll was probably the best PR guy ever at Texas. And because he could get people. Now, even Coach Roll had a hard time at the end, and he got let go. So I can't tell you the inner workings mm-hmm. but I can tell you that that Mac should have still been at Texas and he should have gone out on his own terms. And the fallacy My wife feels the same way, Coach Cheryl. She she still <laughs>
4: wears her Mac shirt all the time.
3: Well I mean politically people don't understand how much money Mac Brown brought into that school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they, have, they have a new basketball coach, women's, in Vic Schaefer. It is an Aggie, grew up, went to school, coached there. But Vic Schaefer is kind of like Mac Brown in the women's basketball. And I told the AD, I said, you're not going to have to do his job because he will do your job for you in promoting Texas. So, it, every schools every university is different. It took me two and a half years to really understand Texas A&M. And I've told all the coaches that's ever been there, if you don't understand Texas A&M and use the power of the 12th man, you ain't going to win. And if you can get the power of the 12th man to help you win – you're going to win easy and win a long time. So I, I want to piggyback off of
4: what Sean just asked you about the University of Texas. You said there are seven layers to winning a national championship. What are the rest of those those layers, Coach? I need to. Well, those are it. the
3: seven: the administration, the yep. faculty, the students, the alumni, our former students at A and M, the players, coaches, and media. Yep. The, the seven things. The media is a lot more important than you think. Right. Because right now, if you were a recruit out here and you were thinking between Texas and Texas A&M, the media is already turning your mind Mm -hmm. to Texas because saying, you know, Herman's not going to be there. So there's negative vibes by the media. And unfortunately, the media plays a bigger role. Now, uh, you know, Coach Bryant years ago, and, of course, this was years ago, Coach Bryant said for a bottle of whiskey and a steak, you can own any any sports rider you wanted. <laughs> Hilarious. I think you're right. About... <laughs> Coach Bryant said that. I didn't say that.
1: <laughs> we'll clarify that for you, Coach. And, <laughs> hey, Coach, so when you were at AM and you guys were playing in the Southwest Conference, how would you compare that conference back then to the conference that you coached in when you was at uh, Pitt, Pitt State?
3: Well, you know, at Pitt, you were independent. Yep. But you still had the East in, quote, the conference, but it really wasn't like it is. You still played everybody in the East, but it wasn't governed like a conference. You didn't share, uh, you know, Paterno wanted to start a conference, but he didn't want to share. And I said, we ain't part of it unless everybody shares, you know, the same. And that's what happened to the, uh, conference of the reason Nebraska left the big 12 was Tom Osborne told, uh, the conference, you know, if we don't share then we're out in the next year, they didn't share, you know, Texas, the lost Dodge took the most of the money because saying, well, we earned the money cause we're on TV more than anybody. Uh, but you know, if you're in a conference, you share, it doesn't matter. Uh, the big 10 you take Northwestern, you take, uh, any of them, they're the same. You take the Big 12 or Pac-12, SEC, and Vanderbilt, for example. Uh, they share and have shared. Years ago when in the old Southwest Conference, you know, I, I raised that question. And the commissioner looked me square in the eyes and he said, Jackie, Rice, TCU, or Ws? what he was saying, they earned the right to be with you. And so, and Nebraska went to the big 10. Now I think it was a mistake for Nebraska going to the big Mm 10 Missouri. Before that happened, Missouri was trying to get into the big 10. Missouri really fits the big Mm 10 because they touch and academically, they are an AAU university, meaning uh, and in the SEC, there's there's Florida, a and Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Those are the four universities in the SEC academically that are member of the AAU. Nebraska is not an AAU member. So, but when Nebraska called the Big Ten, the Big Ten jumped over Missouri and went. And that's how Missouri got into the SEC. Uh, Coach, you got about three
0: minutes, and how we end with our special guest co host, if you will, is by telling a man cave story. And I, I was hoping you would re- tell a man cave story related to the SEC Network's uh, documentary on the creation of the 12th man kickoff team. Is there a Man Cave story that you have in relation to when you really got that going, the 12-man kick. Well, there's there. a lot
3: of things I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> that are Keep it going, Coach. That get but That's right, Coach. When, you know, going through eight club initiation uh, and then working on the bonfire, and I came up to the bonfire one night, and the, the red pot – had a little bonfire, a 55 gallon drum in beating the drum with an accent. And the junior red pots that they hand picked were on the four stack. I walk up and say hello. And he wouldn't even look at me. It was like, who in the hell are you? And all of a sudden he stops the guys on the stack. Slides down the stack. Now you can't slide vertically down the stack without cutting your hands because of all the wiring. Anyway, the first one ran over a bit, bent over. He took three slats with an accent. On. I knew what that felt like going through a club for a week. Uh, I got slatted and on Saturday morning, we had two slats left. I got the first one, but it was from a a football player that was a better baseball player. My knees hit the coat box. I turned around and said, I ain't taking another one, and there ain't (laughs) anybody in here big enough to make me either. You got to, to get into a club. Well, Anyway, a senior talked me into it, but when I saw that, he took three slats and said, take your best lick. So that's four, but the ax handle broke. When the ax handle (laughs) breaks, you start all over. Oh, Lord. Oh, so The kid, the kid. catching hands at that point. Yeah. The the kid had seven slats, no expression. And I said, you know, there's 40,000 students. I can find 11 guys or counting the, not counting the kicker and then 10. I can I can train them to cover kickoffs because you you're going to find some fast kids that played in high school you know every kid in Texas plays. Foot-back. Yeah. So when I told the staff the next morning, you know RC looks at me and said, "Well, Coach, uh, you fell off that stack, didn't you?" <laughs> 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 I mean, <it's> crazy <laughs> to even think that that would work, but. You know, we signed up 252 the first time, Uh two females that came out. But anyway, we whittled that down to 40. We would let 40 come out for spring practice and then we'd have 20 in the fall. Well, just because you made it one year doesn't mean, and if you look at the film and understand, uh, those guys were classmates, core mates. You know, dating, I mean, they had, they, and I wish I was smart enough to have said I I knew what was this, it was going to be. But they brought the student body to the field and took our players to the student body. And they joined the two, which, I mean, during the 80s, during this time, I mean, everybody was very strongly together. And as you know, if you don't have the students at A&M, you ain't going to win. Mm-hmm. It it gave the opportunity for the students to be part of the football team because they're saying, there I am out there on the field. But if you look at the film, you don't see one or two guys making the tackle. You see five or six or eight guys on the pile. I mean, they they average 12.5. So they were really, really good at what they did. But 30 minutes before practice, we had them in open field tackling drills. They would go through practice with our players, and our players would beat the dog out of them. I mean, and then they would stay out 30 minutes covering kickoffs. So they had an hour a day doing one thing, tackling open field and covering kickoffs. So you when you look at football today and you ask a, a college coach, How much do you work on kickoff coverage? Well, we work on it on Thursday. Well, Thursday yeah. you're in shells. So you may work, you know, ten minutes or five minutes, where these guys worked an hour a day full speed. So, you know, that's five hours a day, I mean, for the week compared to 15 or 20 minutes that they do today.
0: And there you have it. The story
3: of how the genesis
0: of the 12-man kickoff team from the legend Jackie Sherrill, that is the glorified life of of how a walk-on really goes through, continue hitting, beat the dog out of each other from (laughs) from the scholarship
3: players. Well, I mean, they can tell you that uh, uh, you know, as a walk-on, you know, Billy Pickard, get in the old, <laughs> under the old, the the stadium, on the on the west side, they still had Coach Bryant's office, but they also had a storage room. And they had jerseys, Billy Pickard had jerseys stored. Billy Pickard, Coach Pickard. Yeah. That (laughs) went all the way back to Coach Bryant, back to the 50s. Wow. He made all those kids. And when I saw that room, I told Billy, I said, I'm not going to buy another jersey until you get rid of these. So guess who got to war all those and these were the three quarter length sleeves, cotton uh, jerseys. So you can imagine, <laughs> Billy just pushed them out on the 12 <laughs> guys. <Yeah. laughs>
0: well, Coach Cheryl, we've, it's been an honor to have you on in Stories Inside the Man Cave. We know Absolutely. that uh, your time is valuable, and you're welcome back anytime.
3: Well, thank you. And guys, good luck to you. Good luck to you, Mo. Uh, thank and you, your, Coach. Yeah. Stop see, by and send me anytime, Coach. Okay. See you guys later. See you, Coach. Get
4: that knee checked out,
3: Coach. Yeah, get yeah. That, knee, that knee
0: drained and get back to work. <laughs> hey, we'll, uh, we'll, hey, guess what? Uh, we will have Big Mike on the other side of this break joining us for segment two. He is busy pumping hats out for gifts. Last stand hats for the 12 days of Christmas. We thank you, Coach Cheryl, and we'll see you on the other side of this break. Hi, this is Sean Clinch, and I want to tell you about an organization which has been a significant part of my life for the past five years. Beginning with four key numbers, 1,295, that's the number of kids in Austin who are involved or a part of RBI Austin. 93, that's the number of teens in discipleship relationships. 142, that's the number of families served in benevolence programs. 365 that's the number of volunteers of RBI Austin. And since 2011, the disparity in team sports participation between kids from low-income and middle-class homes has grown drastically. During that same time frame, RBI Austin has grown from 118 kids in 2011 to the 1400 playing baseball and softball. But there is another program and the one in which I am a part of. I am part of the mentorship program These guys and ladies are the hands and feet of RBI Austin, the volunteers. Our children wouldn't be able to participate in this Christian-based program if it was not for the volunteers' sacrifice of time. But I don't view it as a sacrifice. I view it as an obligation to help give back to our community, especially to our inner city youth, some who are at risk, some who have working parents who are rarely home. RBI Austin, turning around kids' lives and providing a foundation for their future. For more information, go to rbiaustin.org. Welcome back to the home stretch of Stories Inside the Man Cave, segment two of the episode 45. Gentlemen, we're almost to half a hundred and big mike is joining us i don't know how well first off big props to big mike he's currently in his 12 days of christmas hat promotion for the holidays doing big things licensing agreement with ut and if you're seeing this video you can see him working it's multitasking but uh and we have hardball hart who is a what, what's a good title for you a permanent guest co-host what are, what are we going to call you i mean y'all can call me a guy that Feels in when people are busy, you know.
4: (laughs) You got things that are going on, just call me that kind of guy. You know what I'm saying?
2: Really, just committed that he's not committing full time to this. (laughs) No, they're like full
1: time,
4: part time. You count me me in whenever you need me. I'm your guy. Hey, guy. Hey, buddy. I know you guys are busy. (laughs) He's the clean-up guy. I'm the clean-up man. That's right, Willie D say, man. Willie D! Willie (laughs) D.
0: Ghetto, boys. That's right. Hey, be sure sure to communicate with all of us on Twitter, at Stories Man Cave. Suggestions, feedback, laughs, memories with uh, Coach Jackie Sherrill, maybe the legendary college football coach. Everyone knows him as the guy who turned Texas A&M around in the early to well, almost the entire decade of the 80s, but great interview with him, uh, some old-school stories there. But, gentlemen, I think we all have vested interest in the topic of Tom Herman and the situation now as they prepare for Kansas State in Manhattan. Is it inevitable? Is he a dead man walking these last two weeks?
2: I've I've got sources that are saying that he dead. He ain't even walking. (laughs) Dead. I heard that. From unnamed they get? source from an unnamed source that if if uh old boy's coming, Mr. uh Urban Meyer he is asking for some fucking money. We're talking like more 12 than a a year more than Jimbo money
0: I've heard eleven point five per year
2: I heard higher than that
0: Woo. that would be in my opinion well i let's get everyone's opinion before I interject on that uh. Coach Mo, uh, Harge, first off on that Urban Meyer situation and UT and how they handle this and just the overall situation in itself.
1: Go ahead, Mo. I'll tell you what, the only way Urban Meyer comes here is he put in his contract that after three years he can leave when he have a heart condition because everywhere he even went, <laughs> he didn't, when he wanted to get out that motherfucker, he's like, hey, I got a heart condition, I'm out. Heart condition. It's on his skull, bro. Get it right. Man, nah, it's fucking hard condition. Anyways, uh, you know, UT go throw money at the woods, man. Like, that's how they roll. They go throw the fucking money, and they're going to try to get who they can. But I don't think Urban Meyer is going to come. Why would he fucking come? Like, I wouldn't come to Texas unless he – he's one of those coaches that – the Booster Club is not going to be dictating shit. Mm. He's that kind of fucking coach. He's a Nick Saban kind of coach. Well, that's like, what they need. Y'all go stay in y'all fucking place, and I'm going to do me. That's the only way that shit is going to happen. And But I don't see the Boosters, you know, they're going to try to be putting their hands in into everything. So we'll see. If he comes, that'll be great for the program Uh, because Texas is getting their ass whooping recruiting. They're getting their ass whooping everything, which is, you know – <laughs> I don't I don't like seeing that, man, because like all this talent that's leaving Texas and going to Ohio State and going to all these other programs, like that talent needs to stay here in Texas. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I just don't know. I don't who else are they gonna get? They have to get Herman. So I don't know who they go get.
4: Well shit. Well, so I'm 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 with you on part of that. Cause you know, the University of Texas and the way that they go about things, they think money cures all money does not cure all money what money does is cause more problems there's a song about it you know y'all heard a biggie before right (laughs) the the, the reason why that song was made was strictly because of that because when you sean adams used to say he who has the gold makes the rules and texas thinks that they have so much gold that they are trying to change all the rules Urban Meyer does have a health condition. He does have other issues. He's got family that is telling his ass to sit down somewhere. Sit down. And what I'm thinking is this may be a ploy to get – that's why, Mike, think about it. You just said it. You just said he can ask for some crazy-ass number to coach a team that you still ain't guaranteed and you still got to go panhandle for all the people with all the dollars. That's not who he is. And I know – Other people have a lot of money. I know other universities, Ohio State, I know everybody's got big wigs, but I will continue to say this. The University of Texas problem has zero to do with what's happening on the field or in anywhere. Yes. It's everything that happens away from it because you're, you're dragging this guy to go talk and you're mad because he ain't coming to your parties and, hanging out, I know the coach, I know the coach. Man, so what? We all know coaches. He ain't got to come and holler at me. Just win, baby. Just win. <laughs> go out there and handle your business and everybody will be quiet. But if you're pulling me to go do this radio show, you're pulling me to go do this TV thing, you got me going to all these parties and hanging out and glad handing when that's not who I am. I don't know about y'all, but y'all notice, he's socially awkward.
1: When yeah, he, comes, he doesn't like it.
4: He doesn't. He Urban? He doesn't, yeah, no. uh
1: Herman. Herman,
0: Herman yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. He likes to be in his little bubble. So he, he he's not going to uh meander to, to what you want. Urban Meyer, to Mo's point, he's going to tell you, you better shut the hell up and leave me alone and let me go do yeah. right. This is exactly. how it's going to be. Right. This is how this is going to be. So if these boosters that are throwing this money, all this money that they're talking about, to me personally, is for him to get another raise. At Fox. Right. To keep him at yeah. leverage. Exactly. I'm leverage. leveraging this because I'm the hottest commodity out there. And all I can do is just act like I want to do something. And people are like, this is our opportunity. This is our big fish. Oh, this is it. This is it. And he's going to be like, no, I was just messing with y'all. Dog. Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm moving Chill on. Well,
0: well, Big Mike, answer, I mean, your your input on that and... I did some research looking back 1980 to now. For as proud of a program as Texas is, there is the history, there is the tradition. There was 15 or 16 of these seasons, including this year, um, in Texas football history where they've lost four-plus games. 17 seasons since 1980. And it's hard to believe. But do you think that it's systemic or is it simply coaching?
2: My personal opinion is that it's coaching. Here's the deal. And then I'm going to go back real quick to what we were just talking about too and get my final point into what Harj and and Moe are saying. I agree with you on an extent that it is toxic, right? Like it is a – the only person that's been able to do it is Mac Brown, right? question to you is how is Mac Brown able to do that? Mac Brown was able to do that because he was able – he had a great support system. I don't think Herman has a great support system, whether that's his under the coaches or if it's within the administration, right? Uh, Mack had Dodds, like the, the lost odds. This isn't CDC, you know, Chris Conte's guy. Right. He inherited Tom Herman. So he went and got Schaefer, a big Schaefer in basketball. He's put up a hundred points. He inherited Chaka Smart. And last year when he's going to go get Chris Beard out of, uh, texas tech if that's the case if, if shaka falls apart again now started out really good but he will go and get his guys he's inherited all these people now as far as herman and the culture and everything else think of it this way Quinny was decommitted six weeks ago four weeks ago however long it was three weeks ago uh ut reached out from a source <coughs> sorry ut reached out for as i making hands uh, 6 weeks ago to Urban Meyer and asked if he would come to Texas. Urban Meyer's son-in-law is the quarterback coach at Ohio State. Where Quinier is the number one quarterback 2022 is now committed. My question to you is you don't you don't find a coincidence there? You don't think that maybe like ah oh, maybe Urban is talking. To your point, maybe he is using this to get a race. I hope not. I think Texas deserves a top-tier coach. Why? Because they're Texas. But See Good that's question. that's
4: the problem right there, Mike. Go ahead, finish.
2: Hang on, let me finish. Do they when they, when I say they deserve a coach, they're a blue blood. Would you agree? Would you say that they're a blue blood program? Uh,
0: they're a tier yeah. two. They're a tier two blue, blue blood, blood, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. He just went to nineteen eighty.
4: He just went to nineteen eighty on this.
2: Right. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that so with, within that level. No coach to y'all's point wants to come here and coach and deal with all the other bullshit. That's, that's the boiling down point. Saban was, Saban may, may very well have been coming to Texas. Maybe. But when he saw what went down with Matt Brown, he was like, fuck that. I'm not touching out with the 10 foot pole. He ain't touching with a 10 foot pole. So I I don't know, man. I mean, I think the culture is, it is what it is, but I think, like what you guys said, it's not on the fan base. It's, I think our fan base is toxic. Absolutely toxic. For well, the most part. Not right. always, but yeah. yeah, 90% of the time, it's pretty it's, – it's toxic.
0: It, that's I mean, fun. if you – we've mentioned this so many times. The, the Being with Patterson, the president changed, Chancellor, AD changed. This, in recent history, the last 10 or 15 years, that's been toxic. You know, I don't think people – no one's been aligned. No one, including the fans. You know, and there's some, there's some loyal fans who get it. But the Twitter world does not help this at all because no one has proven facts. They're just talking out of their ass and saying certain things. But if Urban isn't the guy, that, and if they're really trying to oust and unload with Herman, and keep in mind seven new coaches, both new uh, coordinators, Who is the guy? I mean, the question—the one that keeps coming to mind—mind is would be Matt Campbell, but is he a guy that would resonate?
2: Out, absolutely not. Out.
0: I mean, the guy is develops programs. He's a winner. He recruits, develops.
4: You, the guy is That's the guy.
1: Yeah, the guy's not Herman. You need someone if you need someone that's almost like a urban like a uh, like a Mac Brown. You need a politician that's in there. That. Mac Brown was successful because Mac was a politician. He can maneuver his way with those boosters. He can maneuver his way with the fans. He had a way about him where he could, you know, coaching had to pull out his wallet no damn way. He was kind of like how Coach Cheryl said he was. You know, he was a people's coach. Like, everyone loved him. He probably didn't have to pull his wallet out anywhere he went in Austin, Texas. So, with that being said, that's what they're they going to need. You know, do they want a hard-ass like an Urban Meyer, or are they going to try to find that coach that's in the making, you know, that's like a politician almost, you know. But another good coach is that – what's the coach that's at um, – who's the coach that's uh, at Iowa State? What's his name?
0: That's him, Campbell. That's Matt Campbell. Yeah, yeah, Matt Campbell.
1: Yeah, I think I think Matt Campbell would be a, a damn good fit too. for for UT. The I think he would be a good I fit. Would say, the coach that I would say
4: that has a good attitude and is arrogant, but he comes in and he brings it is Dan Mullen.
1: Dan, okay. Mullen, Dan Mullen be a good one. Yeah. Dan, Dan Mullen, Mullen
4: is doing things in the SEC that people were like, oh, I can't believe he's there, and then all of a sudden he's got a good quarterback who was a backup to De'Eric King in high school. They were on the same damn high school football team. Trask. Trask and De'Eric yeah. King were on the same high school team together. He's gone in there. He took Mississippi State to number one with Dak To Presley. number one. Yeah, as that's a, true. As the as as quarterback. And he don't give a damn either. He can hustle. He went – you saw him. The dude went on the field and was trying to fight. Yeah. And then came <laughs> back and then inciting the, the crowd. And like, let's go. We about to do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, those are the, that's the type of guy that I think, because he is innovative when it comes to the offense, they play tough football, and they can play some good defense. Now, I, I, I want to back up to the financial situation that Mike right. brought up earlier. The finances here at the University of Texas, in a pandemic where you've laid, laid off 85 people within the university, and you're going to go out there and write a check? For a football coach where these people got furloughed, got sent home, this is a bad look, especially getting ready to go into legislation. I mean, because we still have to deal with that, so you're going to pay that buyout for Tom Herman 15 million, then you're going to pay for all these coaches, which is nine point six so there' a check for twenty four point5 million dollars that you are twenty four point six million dollars, right. Plus the new staff that you're about to bring in, you're going that 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 could be a hundred million dollar transaction in the grand scheme of things because I saw a report yesterday that said if Urban Meyer were to come, all of his coaches get a three year guarantee.
1: Damn, yes,
4: just
0: like the one Tom Herman's new staff or the recently hired guaranteed them three years. Right. And so
4: you're you're starting that whole that whole thing again. I don't. Look, here's the biggest thing for me. The fact that we're at this point where everybody was so excited. I'm talking about so excited. This is our guy. He's one of us. Three, four years ago. We're not even in the full four years, but now everybody's got my man's head on a platter. And that, to me, just tells you everything you need to know about the toxic situation at the University of Texas.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, and to add to it, you know, COVID didn't make it any better. So right. a lot of a lot of that shit, is a lot of different dynamics going on there that kind of, you know, sent that team in a different direction, you know, with the whole, you know, the, the Texas fight song and, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's, 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 it's a bunch of moving different parts. So to add on yes. top, you know, that they're not producing that quality season, because, you know, let's face it if they not winning, you know, 11 games, 10 games, 11 games at UT, that's a failed season. So, it, you know, it, it is what it is, but I hope, I hope they do get it together because the state of Texas as a whole is dependent on how, you know, a performs, how UT performs, because, you know, let's face it, you know, I went to A&M, but UT is like considered the premier school. Mm-hmm. Like every, My every boy that plays, yeah, every every boy that plays high school football in the state of Texas knows that UT is the top dog. Like that's where you want to go. But if they're not performing well and all the talent is leaving, shit, that's a problem.
2: My thing is, agree. I agree with Mo on everything. UT does need to be relevant, right? Not just for the state, but even for like college football in general. It's just a better one. It is with Herman though. COVID. COVID. Covid scrimmages, as a good friend of ours, Mark Vina calls them. Um, all of that doesn't doesn't make up for game in game management that he's lacking. You do not you do not not take the three points to go up twenty three to what sixteen or 23-13 at that point and go up ten with eight nine minutes to go last weekend. You don't throw the ball three times and take 50 seconds off the clock. When you have a running quarterback, you don't do that. Or B. John Robinson, who was tearing it up. You don't do that. It is in-game management. And clearly he is not capable of running it the right way, or he's giving too much power to his assistants who are not, he's not overcoming them. Who was it? Ricky Williams said coaches are supposed to help you win, not, not help you lose. That's fair. That's fair.
0: Yeah very hey, I talked to a couple of guys friends connections up in Oklahoma number 1 had ties to Oklahoma state uh Juricich, who would be I'm curious if Urban is the guy if he may, you know carries him over because of Yuracich's ties to Ohio state being the OC there but what he added to that was Yuracich's first year at Oklahoma state There were times he struggled with third-down calls and third-down execution. What was UT's problem here in the last few games, even during this winning streak, third-down issues? Um, Number two, these are devoted OU people saying, you know, screw the rivalry. We are better as a program when you – when not you guys, but when Texas is winning simultaneously. OU may – just present and boast of their 14, 15, whatever number it is, Big 12 championships, but they say they're, they have more weight when Texas is on top of their program, too, winning. and that, There's a lot of truth to that. So everyone in the state, everyone in college football is better off when Texas is good. But the question is, what else needs to change besides coaching? I don't think just one man can walk in here and everything changes. And we've kind of addressed that.
1: Well, you can't say, you know, well, a team has to be cohesive too. You know, I, I haven't been totally sold on the fact that UT's football team as a whole, as an entire unit, is one heart, one sound beat. Like, I just don't think it. You got Sam doing this thing, who's a hell of a player, hell of a player, and you can tell he has the leadership qualities. But then you look on the other side of the ball, you got some players that, you know, it seemed like, you know, busting assignments here and there sometimes, inconsistency. Uh, it's just that there's a lack of, like, that, that team's just playing as a team. You know, I don't think UT play as, play as a team. There's been a few games and a few series where it's looking like, oh, damn, they putting it together. They look good. Like, all right. But then they come back the next series and you're like, oh, shit, what just happened? Like, the series before, they was dominating, kicking ass. It's just they don't have that consistency as a team.
0: Hard's you covered a lot of their games this year and with them on the press conferences. What's your true feel as you, as you compile all that information that you process? I mean, I know you're, you're a completely objective guy and you, and you, you think as an athlete too. But processing it all as a business and the overall health of the program, what is there, are there other things that are people are overlooking, missing when they evaluate? No, I think
4: I think we've all hit the nail on the head with the the off the field stuff. Like it's so much that it it, it takes away with it. And Coach Cheryl said it earlier about the media, right? So when the when things aren't good, what is the, what is the best thing to do? We talk about the clickbait, right? You get yeah. on and you start talking about certain things, and you know, us as fans, when we're watching the games, we have our opinions. We're we're seeing certain things as as athletes. You you say, okay, I'm walking up to I'm seeing them walk up to the line, and I'm trying to dissect what this place should look like and all that. So we we're very critical of the things that we see and the lack. of 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 execution on a lot of this right but I'm also when they talk about we try to keep out the outside noise we only thing we care about is what's going on in here that's a lie there's no way in this day and age that everyone doesn't hear or see this so when we are watching and we try to think Quinn years we're just talking about him and people are like, well, he didn't, he he's gonna lose that recruit. The reason why he's losing that recruit is because of all the negativity. I don't give a damn if Urban Meyer's son-in-law is the coach. The fact of the matter is, everybody's saying Tom Herman is getting fired. So why yeah. am I to a school that I know what'd you say, Mike, a little while ago? He ain't even dead man walking, he just dead. He dead. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just what it is. So as all this is breaking down, I continue to believe that this, you know, I'll be very transparent. Everybody that knows me on the show, my man, Chip Brown, used to call me Homer Harge because I'm all about this university. I was coming here to play football and baseball. And I sit here and I always say this at the end of the day, if you win, it don't matter. All the conversation stops all that. And to Mike's point, big Mike's point a little while ago, the lack of, of closing out games and and the lack of play calling that embarrasses Herman because when he came in here, the first cover of Dave Campbell's Texas football had a picture of him, call him a mastermind. Yeah. That is the thing. That is the thing that hurts a lot of people is when he doesn't, finish those games, and is supposed to be a, a, a great head coach.
2: Maybe Dave Campbell's had it right because when they had it, when they showed that picture, he was technically drawing it backwards. <laughs> maybe, maybe Campbell knew something before we all did. <laughs>
4: hey, we, just, but, we just wasn't paying attention. Right,
1: right. Hey, <laughs> but 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 we all know, guys. Like, some guys are great offensive coordinators. Yep. Some people are not meant to be head coaches. You right. know, maybe, you know, who's to say he may be, you know, innovative when it comes to offense, but when he has this other hat on trying to be a head coach, that's a different animal, man. Like that is a totally different animal. So you are know, maybe you the coach black Herman, red McCombs right now? Are you the black <laughs> red McCombs? <laughs> how I look?
3: How I look, how I
0: look,
1: You
4: look like money. <laughs> you look like money.
1: Hey, <laughs> you know. You know we gotta play our role, dog. Yeah. <laughs> now,
0: Big Mike, uh, you you got to go to the game, um, the Iowa State game this past weekend, and, it, and it's not just you going to that game, but you've built quite a following yourself with your Last hand Has family, and there's some pretty intelligent, high IQ football IQ people or sports in general. Overall, what's the feedback you get from? these people who have valued opinions that, uh, you know, that, that you encounter quite a bit about this situation.
2: I think a lot of people, you know, there's – it's hit or miss, right? Some people will say, you know, it's 2020, get a pass, right? It's COVID. He's got new coaches. They see the bigger picture. And then the other people on the other side of the coin are like, well, hang on. Like, we just talked about Blake calling everything else. Like, he's not getting it done. This was supposed to be his year, you had Sam Allinger. You had a great offensive line. You had a five-star running back plus Roshan Johnson plus Keontae Ingram. You had wide receivers galore, and your defense was supposed to be decent—not great, but decent. It was getting better. You have Osai, who's going to be a first-round pick, and you didn't do anything with it. You didn't do anything with it. You went in that you couldn't win the close games. You've got a fumble. The other side of it, you know. It's, they're they're all it's it's hit or miss, right? The one thing I have noticed is that the loyalty to the university though stays the same, and that's so it's it's ironic that it's always like well we need to get rid of this person and this person, but then at the end of the day it's but I'm still UT, which is also I guess refreshing, not ironic but refreshing that it doesn't matter they 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 just want to see their their program university school if you're an alumni um, the school you like or the school you root for college team you root for. They want to see them succeed, right? That's It's part of their life. It's part of their day. They they, It's not just like a school. It's like all the people buying our new stuff with all our new designs, they're buying it because it, it's a part of them. It's a part of what they do. It's it's more than just, oh, I'm going to wear this. Like when you wear something, you wear it with pride, right? Like Harge has a 40 acres on. Why? Because he's a Texas dude. Like he's the University of Texas. That's what he is. Like he's right. going to go there and play. He's, you heard him say football, baseball. He's that guy. So, I it's 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 hit or miss. I mean, the thing too is like some of them want Herman to stay, some of them want Herman, Urban Meyer to go. A lot of them want Arvin because, again, like I said, they just want to win. A lot of people want okay, cool hook em hats. Just saying, maybe we'll do it before Herman leaves. Just throwing that out
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speak crazy, that, man. Did you just <laughs> see Zach Smith just surface out of nowhere and. Uh, You know, the old ongoing saga or Twitter war between him. Okay, cool. Okay, okay, cool. Hook him, stupid bitch. Yeah. uh. You know, he's an attention. Are are they
2: allowed to tweet in prison? Isn't he supposed to be locked (laughs) up?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's got the man cave. He's got the man cave. What a worthless (laughs)
2: motherfucker, dude. Like, you're just a sorry sack of fuck. Like, I'm
0: sorry. Let it go. Let it go. You know? I have
2: integrity, and and, and we, we, you know, live life by the best, but, Dude, if you're hitting your wife and you got restraining orders and you're pissed off because they took your wife's back because you're doing wrong, like, look in the fucking mirror, bro. Right.
4: Right. Check yourself. Check yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm having a son, but if I have a daughter and some motherfucker tries to touch her, even if I'm not here anymore, you're going to have to deal with my goons hard. (laughs) Coach (laughs) Lynch walking in there with, like, a a baseball bat with barbed wire on it, he's going to fuck you up.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Hey, before we wrap things up, did you guys see uh, this restaurant owner in Dallas last week, um, the True Kitchen and Cocktail, spelled with a K, just totally reprimanded and lectured the entire restaurant full of people, says, quit twerking, no twerking, scolded all the patrons, and if you missed it, this is the audio from uh, that interview, literally asking his patrons, don't ever twerk
1: money into buying this building into developing this concept so black people can have somewhere nice to go to okay somewhere where we can feel good about ourselves as a good one somewhere where our people can feel good about ourselves as a culture okay no no real talk and so all this twerking and shit, take it to prime, take it to pink, don't bring it here because we're a restaurant. And so beyond that, 75% of my customers are ladies. And I want men to show respect for themselves for how they carry themselves here. So how can I tell the men to respect themselves and you guys are twerking on glass here? If you wanna do it, you fuck out
0: my restaurant. Oh, If you missed it, did, did you guys catch that? Did, oh I, yeah. mean, oh yeah. I thought it was a joke, but
4: how did you say that, I thought it was our Chappelle was gonna come out of the box. <laughs> Like, is that
0: Chappelle? Yeah. When keeping it real goes wrong, right. That's what's happening. Hey, (laughs) if the cocktails are that good, there is nothing wrong with a random twerk.
4: Exactly. I'm gonna tell you right now, because that's how we get to the twerk, because the cocktails (laughs) act good.
2: For yeah, me some cone. <laughs> yeah, going. get that yak going, baby. Get <laughs> yeah. that yak going. All right, put a little snoop and you can twerk right
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach Mo had to bounce out because he has a training class, and I think that would be our cue. Guys, this was a phenomenal episode with one of the legendary coaches in college football, that being Jackie Sherrill, in the first segment. And hardball, hard. Sh- Man, much love to you. Always willing to step inside stories inside the man cave.
2: Hey, it's all about the man cave, baby. Count me can in. we get, me in. can we get y'all just to get him to be a permanent thing? Yeah. Maybe like, you know what I mean, like a permanent thing. Why don't y'all like let him know? Hey, hard, you really <laughs> like you. Why don't you? Hey, stick if, if you with
0: if you love Hards on the on, on side no, of the man get, cave, hey, tweet order. us. If hey, we order. want a permanent contract for hardball hards. <laughs> Tweet us, at Stories Man Cave. We'll draw up the contract right now.
2: <laughs> we got it.
0: <laughs> All right. For the head coach, retired coach, Jackie Sherrill, and Coach Mo and Big Mike, and Hardball Hards, we out. Peace.
2: Go buy some last stand hats, baby! <laughs> Lasthandhats.com, that. officially licensed by the University
1: of Texas. See ya! I don't mean by when I say peace, not a mistake. Eh. We good, player